I, I've got a couple questions about the uh, public safety, the, the right of way ordinance. Uh, it, it goes into effect five days after, like like all ordinances do, uh, which will be Thursday, January 25th. Um, I know our obviously our PPD and officers are aware of this and will be um, uh, you know out enforcing it. We are going to do uh, as other communities have done with similar ordinances. We're going to do a grace period to just make sure that folks who don't understand the rule, you know, we're not uh, you know trying to play gotcha with anybody. Uh, that we're going to do a 30-day grace period. So um, so we might be writing warnings or be giving warnings out uh, for those 30 days for folks that may not have heard the news. Mayor D.C. Reeves talking during his press conference on Tuesday about the new public safety ordinance, what other people refer to as a panhandling ordinance. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit with Eric Randall. He is the chief of the Pensacola Police Department. Chief, welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News, sir. Hey, good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Pensacola. Good morning. Um, glad good to, to be here again. Yeah, good to have you. It's been a minute. It's good to have you back on. Um, so let's just talk first about that. This uh, public safety ordinance, is that basically the plan? Is it we're going to do, because that's today, you know, it's in effect today. So for the next 30 days, we're going to do warnings. And then after that, we can start uh, making arrests or writing citations if need be. Oh, yeah. And yeah, as like with any new ordinance, um, things like that, we, we like to do a um, 30 day, at least a 30 day grace period um, to, to provide public education uh, on a new ordinance that's come, come out because, you know, it's dangerous to use to be out in the public right away. I mean, there's so many crashes that we have, um, you know, vehicles, you know, crashing. And sometimes, you know, when that, that, that motion in a crash may send a vehicle up into the median and onto the sidewalk. So it's dangerous for people to be um, sitting there in the public right away. Does this ordinance being passed give your officers a feeling of relief? Thank goodness, now we can do something um, more challenge. Kind of, what's been the department reaction to this ordinance? You know, this has been one of those things that um, you know we we deal with we deal with all the time. You know, um, we we've had accidents in the past where you know pedestrians been been injured from things of that nature. So, you know, any new ordinance that that helps us. You know, provide a better public uh, safety for the public is something that's that's very, very, very rewarding. And um, yes, I'm, I'm, the staff is is excited about things that can help enhance public safety in the community, reduce accident, reduce crashes with injuries and things of that nature. Because it's all about making sure you know the community stays safe in all aspects of it. The uh, city council also passed the red light camera ordinance. Uh, I know the mayor said that uh, we're waiting for some things to not happen in Tallahassee, and when that happens, we can go forward with installation. But uh, what is the plan right now with regards to the red light cameras at those select intersections and access ways? So um, we got we got the ordinance passed. We've got the um, the, the, the service agreement that that's moving through the process. Um, what happens after that? There is. Um, a timeline for equipment installation with different, you know, um, uh, approvals for um, um, things that you know the contractor will need from from F dot and all that stuff, and in, in, in ready to in order to install the the equipment. So uh, we guesstimate uh, about a three to six month process if all the approvals and and, and things that go uh, the way they should be going, because it's not the first time it's been done in in, in the community. But uh, it's a new community, so um, there are a lot of different things that we have to look at at those those uh, those approaches that we had selected. Will it be progressive? Like, we'll get one intersection goes live, and then another intersection goes live as they gradually install the equipment, or will it be all at once on those approaches that are going to be part of the program? Well, the plan is to to to, to go 
all at once, but it depends on, you know, how long installation and approvals will take. You know, if one intersection is moving, um, one approach, you know, group of approaches are moving a lot faster than another group of approaches. You know, sometimes you can't, you can't predict what kind of challenges you may have from environment and things of that nature. So, um, you know, we like to go all live at the same time, but if there are factors that, you know, lengthen the other approaches, then we'll, we'll re- reevaluate that. But there'll be, proper signs and things of that nature that, that will be installed in our public another public information campaign. So they'll be probably well aware when the thing goes live. And the PPD officer's eyes will confirm every single citation before it goes out, right? Yes, sir. It has to be confirmed by a, um, a law enforcement officer. Yes, sir. And do you happen to know, I don't know, do you happen to know the amount of the tickets? I thought it was maybe in the $150 range, but I don't remember for sure. Do you happen to know offhand? Yes, sir. It's uh, currently it's a hundred one hundred fifty eight dollar um, okay. citation. Okay. Right. Uh, one of the things I definitely wanted to talk with you about, I've been talking with all of our law enforcement officials, both sheriffs in both counties this week, is the report on the Uvalde shooting that came out last week. Uh, you know, it just looks like they could not have found more things to do wrong, and of course, it's a horrible outcome for the students uh, and the teachers. And it's just a, it's a terrible thing all around. But of course, your job is to learn from the mistakes of others. Uh, what have you learned from, or what did you see in that report that caught your attention? You know, Andrew, um, this is a very very detailed report. Um, things like 160, 170 pages long. Um, it gives a lot of the things that they did wrong, a lot of recommendations, and a lot of things that um, they need to improve on. You know, there are eight key areas that they they. They, they hit on, you know, incident timeline, tactics and equipment, leadership, incident command, coordination, post-incident response and investigation, well, public communication. Um, that became very critical in, in that particular uh, incident because you had uh, so many people speaking about the incident, and um, there was a lot of uh, miscommunication, a lot of erroneous information, had to go back and provide corrections. You know, one of the things from a public communication standpoint that RPIO Mike Wood has done and does every year is beginning of the year he sends out a media blast to kind of set the, the ground rules for um, should, you know, God forbid we experience a, a major incident, a critical incident in Pensacola. You know, here, these are the things that we are going to be able to do. These are the things that we're not going to do. Um, you're going to have to contact uh, this person. Information is going to be updated this particular way. We'll have a briefing here, here and there. You know, we'll set up joint information centers. But from a leadership and um, incident command standpoint, there's a lot, lot to, to take away from there. Um, you know, I, you know, as the chief and, and working with, you know, the sheriff and both, both of the counties here, uh, have full confidence that, you know, you want to see something like that here in Pensacola. Um, you know, our law enforcement are steadfast, are committed, and they're going to do what they need to do to, to ensure public safety and, and take care of the threat. Um, God forbid should an incident like that happen. But there's a lot of takeaways from here. And I encourage, you know, everyone in the community to take a, take a lead on this because we all have a responsibility when it comes to a critical incident because there are a number of services that come to play post-incident as well because, um, you know, even though the incident has happened, you know, it can still be ongoing multiple operating periods, multiple days, weeks, months because of the post, uh, post-investigative and trauma things and, you know, family reunification and things of that nature that have to come into play. No, and I appreciate all those notes about the communication because I thought that was a major takeaway from the report as well. And uh, you know, I, I know Mike goes to all of these seminars and learns all of the and learns from the good and bad practices that are out there and brings that back to the department. So I appreciate you uh, talking about that because that is such an important part of it. And also, um, 
I just I don't know the answer. I'm kind of curious about this, but I am assuming that you and you know Escambia County Sheriff, Santa Rosa County Sheriff, Gulf Breeze, that if there were a major incident like this, basically everybody in both counties comes to the problem. Just like at NAS Pensacola, it's outside the city, but the city goes to help at least for traffic enforcement. I assume that's true. The one thing I'm not sure about, you tell me if I'm wrong, but the one thing I'm not sure about is I don't know how often PPD participates, specifically PPD participates in school shooter drills. I know Escambia does it fairly frequently. Is that something that PPD outside the SWAT team that the you know general officers do as well? Oh yeah, yeah. We um we done we done a training not too long ago, um, last summer, um, with with the schools. Well, we incorporated school staff, um, incorporated the fire department. Uh, we did something unique where we're working inside um, the, the what we call the warm zone, where we're you know evacuating injured into the warm zone. You know, exposing you know different groups of people to the um, you know active threat environment, what to expect, how police respond. So we, we do it in a number of different environments. Like I said, we did it, did it in school, uh, very realistic training, utilizing volunteers, a lot of volunteers from the community to get them exposed to, you know, what law enforcement, they, you know, they play role players, but they were exposed to how law enforcement would respond as well. Uh, it was very, very um, good training, and we continue to, to put that on and work with our school districts and all our businesses around the community um, as well. Very good. That's and that's that's kind of what I figured. I just wanted to be. I wanted people to hear it from you, you know, which I think is an important thing. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about, Chief, is uh, HB one and HB three just got passed in the House yesterday. They're expecting Senate cooperation and the governor to sign them, hopefully. But HB one is the social media ban for anybody under the age of sixteen, regulated media social media access for sixteen and seventeen, and then an age verification for everybody eighteen and up. And uh, HB three is the one that requires age verification eighteen and up to be able to access online pornography through an actual age verification, not just a, hey, are you 18? Click yes. Um, my question for you is, it's my perception that this is the kind of bill that basically law enforcement, especially prosecutors, would love and are in support of, uh, support of this. I just want to know from you, how much of your job, do you support those bills, and how much of your job would be easier if kids did not have access to social media? Andrew, I, I tell you, these are these are very very good bills from what I can what I can read on them. I tell you, you know, our kids spend so much time on on social media. I mean, you go anywhere and you just you just just stop. I challenge anyone just stop and look around the room and see, you know, how people are on their phones, kids specifically on their phones on social media. You know, there's so many things that that come on social media. So many dangers exposed to a lot of different things. Um, there's, there's there are many many cases uh, of kids being bullied on social media because. It's almost like people can be a completely different person on social media than they can be in real life. Yeah. So you got that environment that that creates a whole different society, and um and the dangers that come with that. And so um you know less screen time and, and more face to face time I, I my, is my philosophy where people can have that human interaction versus this this interaction on the phone and the dangers of social media. Um, and now you got, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, and things of that nature. So you never know who you're talking to and all the different algorithms that are, are, are tracking our, our children and, 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 and sending them down this dangerous road that could be detrimental to, to, to their life and things of that nature. Oh, yeah. No, the access to advertising, the, the algorithm abuse, the tracking of children, the use of their personal information. I mean, those are things I haven't even talked about in connection with this bill, but are also, as you said, you know, major issues. And I appreciate that comment about creating a totally different society that is itself problematic. Uh, Chief Eric Randall from Pensacola Police Department. Chief, thank you so much for the time this morning. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on so many of these important issues. I appreciate it. And as always, I appreciate what you do to help our, our community be safer. Thank you so much, sir. 
Thank you, Andrew. Thank you.